Sometimes it's good to just step back and see a little bit about what's happening in the world. On today's episode of Right in the Middle Market, we'd like to share some updates on what are we hearing right now from capital providers, from buyers, and what are we seeing in some of our own clients and the work that we're doing with them out in the market on today's episode of Right in the Middle Market. Welcome to Right in the Middle Market, a podcast about pragmatic perspectives on running, growing, and selling your business. We talk about the challenges, decisions, and most importantly, the actions business owners can take to create long-term value in their companies. Welcome to Right in the Middle Market, a podcast about running, growing, and selling your middle market business. Last week, we had a chance to go to one of the industry events that we do. These are one of the things that we used to do in person. And uh, I'm here with my co-host, Mark Gaffin. This is Stephanie Chambliss Gaffin. And we thought it would be nice today to talk a little bit about what are some of the things that we're hearing. We get asked Mark all the time about what are private equity firms saying, what are institutional investors saying. And here we're not talking about the public markets, but we're talking about the private capital markets. And I know we talked about this in an episode a few weeks ago, but this to me, especially in today's environment, it seems really relevant to just stay top of mind and stay current about what are we hearing from these capital providers? What were some of the themes that you were hearing in folks you talked to last week? The, the private, mar- the public markets, I still think we can take some lessons from, right? As we speak today, we're testing new highs on potentially regaining new highs in, in the S&P 500. The, the NASDAQ is close, clearly past where it was pre-pandemic. So underlying, there's some good information there around the economy. I think that if you look at consumer prices, they showed some promising strength and demand in the consumer demand um, and uh, you know, the jobs going in the right direction. So I think you know, there, you know, take that information to, to, uh, to heart. I think on the private sector, look, ACG, I think, has done a terrific job uh, keeping us connected, right? We've, they worked on a couple of different electronic formats, and, um, and, uh, and I think they've been really good. There's, lot, there's bugs. There's, you know, some, um, I think the one last week I asked uh, ACG Chicago for some of the statistics, and they had 320-some uh, different people, you know, it, it registered, uh, 189 investment banks and uh, 158 capital providers, so private equity, they could be debt, they could be whatnot. And then 75 other general, and they could be accountants and, and those kinds of other advisors. And, and like our part of our shop is strategy consulting, as well as our investment bank. So, you know, they've had, there were thousands of meetings last week. And I think that um, people showed up, I think, ready uh, to look for um, opportunities. I think my, my feeling was, the, I mean, I talked to 20 some private equity firms last week on just those two days, day and a half. And um, I think we have one of your deals in market, right? Uh, I think we got traction on that across several of them. Absolutely. And first of all, for those that may not live in the world of the private capital markets, ACG is the Association for Corporate Growth. It's a great organization, um, industry professional organization that is really designed for the middle market. And it's designed to be a place where uh, people who are representing firms that are looking to either sell or raise capital and those who have capital to put to work, meaning they want to either uh, be part of that capital raise or they want to buy companies, can come together as well as, as you mentioned, Mark, other advisors that live in the, that world. So just for those who may not be familiar with ACG, that's what ACG is. 
it was interesting. The first question, because I also, you know, did, I don't know, 20 some meetings across that day and a half. It was a very productive couple of days. And one of the first questions that I asked every family office, every capital provider, every private equity firm that I talked to was, are you in market? Are you still looking to do deals? And the answer was a resounding yes. I typically couldn't even finish getting the sentence out before I had people jumping in and saying, yes, absolutely. We want to be doing deals. Um, here's the kinds of deals that we're looking for. And you know, I think a couple of things that I noticed in particular, and we've talked before about that the experience of middle market companies right now is going to be very bifurcated depending on if you are doing well or if you're if you're struggling. And for those that are doing well, I was actually amazed. Not only did I hear from uh, the institutional investors that they are doing deals, they have done deals, they are continuing to look for doing for deals, but even them, even they have been somewhat surprised at how strong the valuations and multiples have been on businesses that have very strong performance right now. Yeah. And I, I think, Stephanie, that that really picks up from a lot of what we learned in the last you know, global financial crisis, right? There were a lot, there were, there were private equity firms that, that learned, right? They raised, they actually raised funds right after the, the, the crisis and realized there were not deals necessarily to be had, but maybe some, even some rationalization of the multiples and the structures of some deals. There was some willingness to work because you were kind of at the nadir. And so there was terrific, if you look at the um, we, we break funds sometimes into cohorts, right? From when they actually were launched to kind of to track what their growth and those returns from those kinds of funds typically are, you know, really, really robust. Um, for, so private equity firms learn, they know that, that, that this is a time if you're a professional investor, that this is still a good time to be there. There's still a lot of really, really good companies out there that really by no fault of their own found themselves in a tough situation. So, you say, look, if we can make, if we can come to a reasonable agreement on what the valuation is and how we structure this deal around the uncertainty that still lies out there, this is still a very good time for add-ons as we saw. There's 72% of deals right now are add-ons. So they're adding on to a platform. So they have a bigger company in their platform and they're buying something strategic to put on that, that increases that value. And that can be a very viable exit strategy for someone if they're looking to exit right now. I think one of the things that struck me related to that was that the the willingness to really be creative, to um, be thoughtful about structure. So whether it's trying to bridge a gap in valuation between where the seller thinks that the company is it should be valued and what that that price should be, because they strongly believe that the company is on a path to recovery, they're going to come back, and where a prudent buyer maybe saying, look, I believe you or I wouldn't be buying this company, but I also have to be cautious so that I don't overpay for this particular asset. And But I, I was really impressed with the degree of willingness to be creative, think about structure, think about how do we bridge that gap. And quite frankly, for the companies, for the, the portion of middle market companies that are struggling right now, I've actually now talked to several capital providers that are actively looking for where are there good companies that are going to bounce back, but they're going to need some help to get from here to there. And how can we come in with some creative capital structure to be able to make sure that that company survives and that they get from here to there? Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point. And I think that one of the things that, um, you know, I think we're seeing, which is a little difference in this environment than we saw in the last financial crisis is 
a lot of the lenders, the capital providers, you know, aren't so back on their heels. Yes, they're they're dealing. Some of them are dealing with some um, second quarter, you know, defaults. Right, as everybody kind of is come, putting up their 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 numbers for June thirtieth. But really, the banks are strong, and the non bank um, group out there is also pretty robust. So there's still capital to be had. I know that one of the things that you're setting up is a, a series for us on capital choices. Right, how do you work on the the, the the different flavors of debt solutions out there. And then we'll talk about some of the hybrid debt equity solutions. And then how do people work, you know, like with growth equity versus just, you know, just selling outright their growth equity is a huge component now. So I think it's important for our listeners as we talk about that, how there's a lot of options for just growth, right? We talk about running, growing and selling your business. I think that we're about all three of those things, right? We want help to help people run this is a good time for people that have stabilized themselves to get back on track, to accelerate through this, through this, through this period right now when your competitors may not be, right? This is not a time to be sitting still, right? The world is not sitting still. If, if, if our company is sitting still, I think that's a very dire position to be in. I think that's right. And to go back to your point about the capital, the different kinds of capital that are out there right now, I, you know, Look, the reason that we do this podcast is because we love working with middle market companies. We love helping educate around this particular area, which is not the expertise of most middle market business owners out there. And I think this is a time where, you know, I know we have been getting a lot of questions from our client base around, gosh, what are those different kind of flavors out there? You know, we'll we'll be talking to a potential investor. They come back with a creative structure. The client's really excited because it's you know showing that there's ways to get the deal done. I'm thinking about one of the capital raises that we're working on right now that is you know it, it look they like everything there there was a little bit of a pause, a little bit of a slowdown during Q2 and now we're back. We've got two excited parties at the table coming back with interesting proposals on structure, but it takes a different level of expertise to be able to help navigate through to say look the really exciting part of this is that there's a way to get this deal done and there's a way to get this deal done in a manner that is truly value accretive to both parties the flip side is it means that it's going to be a little bit more sophisticated sophisticated it's going to be a little bit trickier to make sure that the deal gets structured in a way that it achieves the outcome that that we're intending it to and that it's really beneficial uh, in in the way that we intend it to be, a little tougher to navigate. If everything's humming and you're you're the end of middle of 2019, and you get about a bunch of inbound calls, right? You can take that call and decide to engage it if you're a business owner, right? And maybe you got a a good deal, maybe you didn't, right? You may have undershot uh, the valuation by 20, percent and that would be that would be horrific. But I do think that now, to your point. Um, to be able to get the right people and we go back to that conversation, the right people, right story, right time. There still are the right people out there. I think that's what we saw from this meeting last week. And that's what we do when we call our calls daily. And we're still finding those people out there that are thoughtful, operationally focused, keeping their eye on the strategic ball. And I think what we're seeing is on the, um, on, on the company side, you know, we've got uh, folks that are still in the turnaround mode. There's no shame in that. There are people who are hit disproportionately depending on, you know, cu- customer concentration, what market they were in, what their supply chain looked like, those kinds of things. So there's still room to be had to help folks there. We've got a couple, we call them small T turnaround projects um, 
that we're working on to help those people regain their footing. But then again, my point then is you got to stabilize and then move through, right? It's, it's keep going. And even for your own company. And I think one of the things I was, I was listening to an episode you were working on yesterday, you know, people say, I'm just, I just want to rest. I'm tired. I want to rest. Why can't they do that? Why do they feel that way? And is, is, is that normal? You're right, Mark. Matter of fact, twice in the last couple of weeks, I've had conversations. Uh, I was able to host a group of uh, female business entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, and we were having the conversation around cognitive bandwidth and the stress of the current environment. And why is it that we are all so tired right now? I brought it back to this fundamental concept of, fun- of cognitive bandwidth and the impact that that has on decision making. And there's great research out there, the book Scarcity, uh, the book uh, The Power of Habit, you know, really good resources out there um, and pretty good research that says when we are back to that, that base of Maslow's hierarchy, right? We are back to worrying about survival. So maybe worrying about the survival of your business, quite frankly, there's a real physical threat in the environment. You're worried about finances, worried about our family, and that there is a a demonstrated tax on cognitive bandwidth and what that means is that it become we have less bandwidth available to make big decisions exactly at the time that we have some very big decisions to make and so in this episode that's going to come out uh next week teaser there um we spent some time trying to unpack both what what are some things that you can do to make sure that you're making good decisions right now and also, what are some of the things that you can do to recognize that there is this tax on your cognitive bandwidth right now? And what are some things that you can do to try to counteract that? Yeah, I think one of the things I, I took away from that conversation, I think it's very, very in align with, uh, you know, our thinking all the time on, you know, the on strategy. People kind of say, you know, strategy is just out the window right now. And, and, I, and I just could not disagree more. I think that, uh, you know, the companies that have goal, a long-term goal out there, where do they want to be, right, um, are going to be more advantage over people that just don't, and they're throwing their hands up and just trying to muddle through day to day. I think what does become interesting is the strategy to attain that goal, right? Are there things that we can do now in heightened areas of uncertainty to continue to move forward, but um, but actually make progress? And I think that, you know, becomes a little bit more like agile strategy approach to strategy where you're trying different things. And I think you guys talked a little bit about that in, in yesterday's recording. And I think we, we had actually, we just got back from a lunch uh, not too long ago. We talked about getting that kind of data, that information to people um, in more robust ways so that you can pull information to knowledge, to insight, and then make those, if you will, small bets so that we are moving forward. We're trying maybe different sectors. We're opening our eyes to different opportunities and not betting the farm on it, the whole command and control um, uh, strategy, f- three to five year strategy is a little bit hard in this environment, but still is important to have a direction. If I go back to pick up on something that you just said, because someone else may have heard this and their ears picked up and wondered if they heard you right. Yes, actually, we just got back from a lunch. I mean, how crazy is that? But I think if you take that and to say, look, we all sat there and marveled. So, yes, we did actually meet someone for lunch. We did so at a place that was outside. They put great protocols in place, you know, all of those things. And it's the first time that we've done that since what February or March. But I think it's a great example of where people are starting to say, okay, I now understand 
No. Is the risk zero? No. But I can figure out that there's a path where I can manage risk and I can manage what that looks like. And I think just as people are starting to do that in their personal lives, I think this is what we are encouraging and hoping businesses are going to be doing as well to say, look, it may look a little bit different. It may feel a little bit different, but I can't just keep my head in the sand. I can't stay there in my bunker. Um, And so I think that's what, you know, Mark, you've said before, Frozen may be a great theme for a Disney movie, but it's not a strategy. And I think likewise, it's how do you start to preserve optionality and actually doing nothing starts to cut off options. So it may be a tough time to say, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to commit to something that, you know, has a three-year horizon, but to at least say, what are the things that I can do? What are the decisions I can make in a way that has a 30-day horizon and keeps us moving forward little bits at a time as I continue to get more and more information about the environment? Yeah, I think, you know, there's part of this, there's the the, the the blast, if you will, that happened in 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 March and April, right, where we were out of PPE and 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 people were switching from distilleries to putting hand sanitizer together, right? Awesome and patriotic. It just makes your heart you just swell to see people putting that kind of ingenuity to work. But you do have to come back to what do they really do better than anybody else? It was probably distilling, you know, whatever whiskey or whatever it is they do. Um, and someone else is going to wind up being long-term the better the better parent for that. Maybe. Maybe there's an actual way to do that. But I think that we saw, I've seen a bunch of companies uh, talk about when things happen, how certain people stepped up and figured out another way to do something that cut through all the red tape, cut through all the, this is the way we've always done it, right? So that goes out the window. And I think what's really important right now when we work with clients is like, okay, if this is a more efficient, better way of doing something, right? And we've broken through that. Is it a sustainable process to keep doing that? Do we do things better, faster, cheaper, with higher, you know, throughput? You know, those kinds of things all matter. But are we still going to be able to do this down the road um, effectively? And if not, are the, but is it opened our eyes up that, yeah, we can actually redesign. We can reapproach the market because we have a core set. It's, it's, it's ingenuity. It's putting together A, B, and F from our products into something that really matters in the new world. Yeah, it's been so fun to watch those companies that have just seized unique opportunities. But I also want to take a minute to talk to the directly to those businesses that are struggling and at this point may be looking and kicking themselves to say, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know where the last four months went and I didn't do that. And now, you know, it, and now they're kicking themselves and now getting into that vicious cycle of, of, frustration and and feeling even worse and um mark you know that one of my 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 current theme song right now my anthem the thing that's you know gets me energy going in the morning is the new song by pitball called called i believe um but he has a great line and you know this i there are tons of good quotes about this but it's not how you fall it's how you get back up and so i i think this is the time and so i want to issue that call out there to if you are at that point where you have been stuck so first of all, it it's okay. Recognize it. But this is the time. And if you're stuck, if you're struggling, this is the time to reach out for uh to reach out for help. Look out for who who's around you. Do you do you have other people on your team? Or is this a time that you need to bring in an external advisor to help you figure out what's next? So Mark, I want to get your thoughts on that. 
right after we come back from a message from our sponsor. Right in the Middle Market is brought to you by SLS Capital Advisors. SLS Capital Advisors is a boutique financial advisory firm working directly with middle market leadership to tackle critical growth opportunities, including exits, mergers and acquisitions, and access to capital. The principles of SLS Capital Advisors bring deep industry, financial, and consulting experience to firms seeking tailored strategic opportunities, including capital for major growth initiatives and alternatives for those evaluating corporate transitions and exits. SLS Capital Advisors services include managing effective exits and sales processes involving sophisticated buyers, such as strategic purchasers, financial buyers, and operator-to-operator transactions, and raising capital to fund our clients' growth, including debt and equity elements. They also assist companies in capturing growth opportunities through focused and effective organic growth and M&A programs and unlocking profit potential through business portfolio rationalization and investiture. SLS Capital Advisors focused on delivering consultative executions for clients seeking strategic growth and capital. Find us at slscapitaladvisors.com to learn more about how we can help you. Welcome back. So, Mark, I was just talking about the concept of it's been awesome to see those examples of companies that have been able to pivot. But what about the companies that are kicking themselves because they didn't? What, what would you say to them? I would say there's no reason to kick yourself. Uh, I, in normal times, it is hard to run a business, right? There's, you're dealing with uncertainty all the time. You're, 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 you're trying to plot your next move. You're trying to stay relevant. Technologies move. You're trying to work with people. You're trying, you know, especially as a middle market company, you, you probably know, if not 99%, 90% of the people by first name basis on, on the plant floor. So this isn't easy. This isn't easy to do furloughs. This isn't easy to do if we've had to let people go. So there's no, 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 no reason. In fact, if we're surviving and even if we're plugging along, even if it's way, way closer to the edge than we'd like, um, there's, there's still um, so much, so much to be proud of. And I think that that's what we try and do a lot with, with, you know, kind of the profit improvement, the profit recapture work that we're doing is finding out where we can help them deal with existing creditors. Where can we help them with cash flows? You know, the, the, the tools we talked about before the 13 week cash flows, Give them an opportunity. What's coming? What can we avoid? That's important because we want them to play for another day. If we can just do that, then we can work on all the other stuff. What I, I think what I want to do is say we want to be able to move everybody forward and figure out what the tools they have, what markets do they have. But if they're in a market that's going to face major restructuring, you know, sales, sorry, supply chains are going to change significantly. We got to know about that. We got to figure that out because just not doing anything about it's not going to change the outcome. So no, I completely agree with you. No one should ever feel bad that they couldn't automatically sew masks overnight. I mean, you may just not have the capacity. If I made flags, I can make masks by repurposing, but you know, I don't know if I've, if I was a roofing company, could I, could I change to do hand sanitizer? Probably not. I think it's actually been really refreshing to hear a little bit of in August, you know, typically in a typical year, things just go dead quiet in August. And it's actually been a little bit refreshing to hear there are people that are taking off on vacation. They are taking, you know, and again, that vacation may look very different. I'm seeing a lot more people load up the car and go out to a cabin in the woods and figure out ways to do that safely, but that people are getting away before kids get ready to go back to school in whatever form school is going to look like and actually starting to see in in some areas where the kids are getting back to school. But I think there's a, a little bit, and I wonder if what's coming is, 
you know, as we think about the second half of the year, and in particular, the latter part of Q3 and Q4, so that post-Labor Day, where, again, in most years, we see a real uptick in activity in starting right after September, right after Labor Day. And I have to wonder, if you look at, even just from a, from a deal activity, if you look at from a business performance, there was so much suppression of activity in all kinds of different metrics, for, for most, not for all, but for many. Um, I wonder how crazy that three months of September, October, November, kind of before we get into the holidays is really going to be. And what can folks do now to start to say, all right, no matter whether I'm really happy about how things went the last few months, or it has been a really tough few months, how do I get myself in the right space? And how do I get ready to take advantage of that? The last half of this year, is there, is there hope left in this year? Oh yeah, I'm actually a big proponent on this. There, there's, I think there's still plenty of time for this to be a very second half uh, performer. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think, I don't think, unrealistically optimistic. I think there's a lot of reasons to believe, and don't bet against the Fed. I don't think you get rich betting against the the American economy, and I certainly don't think you're going to uh, uh, win by betting against the ingenuity and 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 you know hard work ethic that we see in middle, our middle market companies. I would tell, you know, uh, leaders of middle market companies that they have advisors. I think they need to be, I think not to tease too much more of your episode, but be kind to themselves, right? They're dealing with an environment that no one's ever dealt with before, uh, with the kind of information we have pouring in. I think in 1918, when you had that, uh, uh, pandemic, then at least you probably didn't know by minute what was going on in, in Europe. So you could at least worry about what was in your little area. But give yourself a break, you know, take care of the, the CEO and the CEO should have advisors, should have people that they can talk to that give that they trust that will actually give them the real poop, not just hey, you know, whatever it will make you feel good. It should be, let's talk about what we can do, what we can't do. To your point, I think that says that if you want to, you know, grow, not sell right now, but you just want to grow, there's still things you want to do to bolster the platform, right? So that you can attract capital growth capital, be that debt or and or equity to grow into 2021. I think there's potentially, and then I'm not getting in the political sphere of things, but you can you can see potentially it's been articulated there would be change even in tax regimes like capital gains tax. So that would have a big impact on when somebody decides to time to sell their company if they have the luxury of you know selling it by time. I think if everybody thinks uh, 2021 is what I'm going to build to launch this then, then a whole bunch of fish are thrown into the pool at the same time. And I, and I, you know, I don't, not that it won't work, but there'll just be a lot of other people out there at the same time. So I think that there's nothing I'm seeing that would suggest that this isn't a good time to, to make sure that you are aware of and, and thoughtfully exploring all options for running, growing and selling your business. And I think on that note, that's a good note to end for today. I'm Stephanie Chambliss-Gaffin, and you've been listening to Right in the Middle Market, a podcast about running, growing, and selling your middle market business. We'd love to hear your comments about today's episode. Do you like hearing this kind of just casual update, or do you like the more formal content? And to that end, what are some of the topics you'd like to hear us talk about in the future? Please drop me a message on LinkedIn or send us an email at podcast at gaffingroup.com. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you hear our next episode. Until next time, be well and be curious.